Well, as we take a few moments on this Sunday evening, we are coming back to thinking more about lost on this Sunday supplement in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. We see that throughout this chapter, in each of the three stories that make up this one parable, that the return of the lost thing leads to celebration. In Luke 15, verse 5, when the shepherd finds his lost sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. The shepherd doesn't go punishing or even slaughtering the stupid sheep, but puts it on his shoulders and he takes that sheep home. Having searched for the missing one, he finds it, he's delighted. He throws a party and he says in verse 6 to his neighbours and friends, Rejoice with me, I have found the sheep that was lost. Then the woman who had lost that one out of ten coin, having swept the dusty floor, been down in the dirt on her hands and knees with lamp in hand, searching every crack and she finds it and it results in her rejoicing with her friends and her neighbours. But besides the connecting theme of lost and found in these two stories, the parable emphasises the main point in verses 7 and 10. I tell you, says Jesus, in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus' point is this. When the lost is found, heaven celebrates. When sinners turn back to God, there is a party like no other. Who is in the presence of the angels that we read about here? Who is in the presence of God himself? Well, it's God. He's in the presence of the angels. He is in that heavenly surrounding. God himself. And what is God's reaction when someone who is lost is found? When someone turns back to him, he parties, he rejoices. For that is what God is all about. And how is that carried through in the story of the lost son? Well, having thrown away his money and indulged in a short period of wild living, he heads to the cash till one day and the message on the monitor in the hole in the wall says, access denied, no withdrawals possible, the overdraft's been long spent and he is done. His lack of money coupled with the lack of food, lack of friendship during this period of famine caused him to seek to work with the pigs in the pits for any Jewish boy. There's no worse job for a Hebrew to do than feed pigs. And as he nibbled on the pig slops, penniless, hungry, lost and friendless, not that he had planned for it as great adventure in the big city, was it? Where the lights were bright and the girls were pretty, the lights are now dim and all the girls have disappeared. No one wants to associate with someone who is low and lonely and lost and in the pigsty, with an aching stomach and an aching heart. At the lowest point in his life, his mind begins to turn to one place. He knows who he should return to. To the one person who would be pleased to see his face. To the one person who treats his servants with fairness and his family with grace. Suddenly this boy's home becomes the most appealing place in the world. As we read in verse 17 that he does come to his senses. He knows that even his father's servants would be treated better than this were 
is there no other place on this earth to give a rebel a roof over his head and safety to a scandalous son. It's in the love of this dad. And in the following verses we read of his sadness over his sin and his selfishness. He's preparing his speech to say sorry. He's turning from his folly. He's returning in repentance to his father. And what made him turn for home? Well it was the image of his dad. His father's face. The mercy that he'd showed him even when he placed that wad of 50 pound notes in his hand before he left home. Without anger, without bitterness, there was no safer place than home. And then as we come to the most amazing words in the whole of the Bible. If you've never read the Bible before or you haven't picked up in a while, read it over again in Luke chapter 15. For the father sees his son while he's still a long way off. He recognises his figure. He knows his walk, how he carries himself, even from a distance. He's been longing and looking for him for some time. His arms and his heart and his door always open. And so he rejoices with his neighbours that his son has come home. The stinking pigsty son is barely able to finish off his apology and ask for forgiveness. You see the local villagers may have seen the boy wandering up the road. They would have known the background that this boy had slunk away all those years before. But here was the son that had disgraced the family and wished that his father was dead. Local disgrace was regarded by local beatings if you brought disgrace upon your family. So instead of leaving this boy to the disgrace, the public disgrace, he throws the party. Look at verse 24. This son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. The father initiates the restoration of the son. His welcome beats the son's repentance. All the father was concerned with was the fact that he could see the son's desire was to make restoration, to say sorry and know that the only place of safety was with his dad. The son receives no lecture. He's not made to suffer or work his way back into family. The father does not rub his nose in the dirt. No, the son of mine was lost and is now found. He was dead and he's alive again. And the climax of these three stories gives us an unparalleled peek into God's heart and God's home. We see what pleases God more than anything else. What makes heaven resound with joy? It's when sinners come home to the Father. When we recognise the selfishness, pride and sin in our lives in the light of what we call God's grace and God's fatherly care. Just like the son returned to the Father knowing that he had sinned and gone his own way, wishing his dad was dead. And maybe we wish that our God was dead. Maybe you wish that he just wasn't there and you could get on with life and not give him a second thought and do your own thing in your own way. But you know deep in your hearts, niggling away in your own souls, that he is there and he does care. Maybe you're determined to run away or push him out. But there is and always will be that ache in the depths of who we are that says there is something more. There is someone better and I know who that is. And God says, my son, my daughter, come home, come back. Maybe you've been sliding away from me. Maybe you've been heading off in a 
wrong direction. He says, come home, come back. How can I, someone who has done this or that in my life, you say to me, you don't know, David, what I've done. I've already let my friends, my family, my faith down. How can there be any way back for someone like me? Or I've never given God a second thought. How can I come to him now? How can I start a relationship with him now? You mightn't lack for food, yet, you know, there's one who provides for you. There's one who says, I have a feast prepared for you. You know, Jesus didn't just tell a story about nice sheep and sons and coins. God tells a story to remind us that he sent his son into the far country. Jesus, the eternal son of God who left the safety and security of heaven, all the comforts of his father's house where he lacked nothing, to come to this earth. That he had created a world that had gone sour with sin and sickness, suffering and pain and Jesus steps in. Jesus didn't rebel against God on earth. Jesus ticked every box. Jesus was perfect. He pleased his father in all that he did. Yet his life ended as he was nailed to a cross. Not for his own sin but for the sins of the world. Jesus became heaven and earth's greatest go-between. He shows earth what God is like and he represents humanity, our behalf in heaven before God the Father. For he took the punishment for God, for all our sinfulness and selfishness and shame and pride. Jesus took what we deserved. The Father's hatred for sin was taken out in the perfect Son. Jesus' life and death were a sacrifice on our behalf. He did what we could never do. Jesus, who alone in all that time could called God Father, went into the darkness and the hellishness of the cross, forgotten by friends and family into the ultimate lostness. And on that day, when he cried out to his father and heard no reply, he did it all so that we might be able to say, Our Father in heaven. This story is called The Prodigal Son, the word that means wasteful and reckless. And some might say that our God has been reckless in giving us his son. But Romans 8 reminds us, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, God held nothing back, not even his own son. In the story, the father represents all that God has been to us in Christ. The storyteller knew better than anyone for this Jesus showing us our God, this great giving, forgiving God, who's reckless towards us, the God who is like the Father, pressed everything that we have and we are into our hands, our gifts, our talents, our minds, our food, our family, our friends, the very breath that we take, every move we make. Our God is a generous God and has given all of this to us, like the Father to the Son. So the question is, what will we do with it? Will we waste it or will we run to him? God's reckless grace is our greatest hope. A life-changing experience. He longs like the father in the story to wrap you in his eternal arms of safety and protect you from anyone who might accuse you anymore. Friends might say, how could you be a follower of Jesus, a Christian now? We remember what you were like. Or the evil one, God's greatest enemy, the devil, loves accusing us and asks us, 
Can he really be your father? Look back at where you were and what you've done. Is he really that forgiving? It's the very question that deceived Adam and Eve in the very beginning when Satan said, did God really say? Did God really mean that? Sin actually begins in our hearts when we doubt God's fatherly goodness. Do not neglect that. And remember that he has a place for you in the Father's house. When we come in repentance and say, Lord, I am not worthy to be your son. He wraps us and clothes us and keeps us close to his very heart.